Start with glorious day. came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. The Word became flesh and the light shined among us, his glory revealed. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he sins far away rising he justifies freely forever one day he's coming oh glorious day oh glorious day one day they led him up Calvary's mountain one day they nailed him to die on a tree suffering anguish despised and rejected bearing our sins my redeemer is he the hand of healed nations stretched out on a tree and took the nails for me living he loved me Dying, he saved me, buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified, freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Many arose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended, my Lord, evermore. Death could not hold him, the grave could not keep him. From rising again, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. One day the skies with His glories will shine. 
Wonderful day, my beloved one bringing. My Savior Jesus is mine. Living, He loved me. Dying, He saved me. Buried, He carried my sins far away. Rising, He justified freely forever. One day He's coming, a glorious day. Living, He loved me. Dying, He saved me. Buried, He carried my sins far away. Rising, He justified freely forever. One day He's coming, a glorious day. Glorious day, oh glorious day. <clears throat> okay, sing to the king. A song declaring we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. Lift up our heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the
Thank you for these songs. Thank you for reminders. Thank you to, for giving us the freedom to praise you, the joy of praising you through song. And now as we go to hear your word, pray that you will work in Josh's life as he leads and uh, in the scriptures and uh, teach us, help us to grow this day closer to you closer to enjoying that relationship with you. And we'll praise you for the work you do in Christ's name. Amen. Those ages 3 to 7 dismissed to junior church. Um, eight, nine-year-olds have clipboards down here.
We're going to be looking, like I said before, in Matthew chapter 1. So if you want to have your hand there, that's a good place to be. We'll flip a couple places as well, but I can also just tell you where it's found and read it. But I always encourage you to jump around if you can and just make sure that I'm preaching what's in there and not just making up my own stuff as I go along. So um, it never hurts for you to come up later and say, ah... I don't know if you got that quite right. I have done that to pastors in the past, so I can't say don't do it to me. So if you think to yourself, you know what? I was studying the scripture. I was doing what you said. I was being a Berean and reading the word, and I disagree. That's okay. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. And uh, I can always learn more for sure. Um, A genealogy is something that kind of fluctuates in popularity. But right now, especially, genealogies are like big time popular. Um, With Ancestry.com and a bunch of other websites, you can even give your DNA if you want to go deep. So you can say to yourself, okay, self, why is it that everybody in our family has red hair? Why the blue eyes? Why all the hand waving when we talk? Why do we all love potatoes? What is it? in our ancestry that got us where we are today. And you can go through years and years of history on databases. Give as much information as you can. Call all your aunts and uncles and grandparents and anybody who's still alive. Put all that information in. And some of you have. Have you done this, Don? I haven't done that. Okay. But you can go way back. You can find out whether you're this much from this place and this much from this place. And and you can find out you're related to all sorts of people that you never knew and who spoke a language you still don't know. And uh, it's pretty exciting. And there was a man actually in 2019... Uh, who went through this whole Ancestry.com thing and he took over research that his father had been doing to see what his relationship were. And his name is James Speets, I believe, and he is actually a a pastor or a priest. And um, as he narrowed it down, he narrowed it down to a country in Benin. And so he heard that there was a religious leader from Benin who was coming to America. And so he got in touch with him since they were both religious leaders and said, Hey, I've traced my ancestry back to here, but I'm kind of stuck. Can you help me in any way? So he went back. He actually told the king and queen about this guy. The queen researched, called him up at like 4 a.m. and said, "Uh, We'd like you to come out here because you're a prince. So for for years, he had been studying who his ancestry was. For years, his wife had said, go to bed. It's 2 a.m. Stop. And he's like, well, this is so interesting. You wouldn't believe who I'm related to. Come to find out he's a prince in Benin. They invite him to Benin. This is real. You can Google it. They throw a huge celebration for him. And for about six days out there, he's thrown in the royal garb. He's trained to be a prince. One of the mistakes he made was people would come up and bow. Hundreds of people would bow to him. And he would bow. And then they would bow. And he would bow. And they would bow. And he would say, they won't stop bowing. And they said, well, you're royalty. You don't bow. So if you bow, they're going to bow again. You're like resetting it. So he learned his royal heritage requires him not to bow. And uh, it's just interesting how important genealogy is. How important, especially here, genealogy is. Um, We may not all be princes and princesses, um, but you never know. You never know. So you can check it out. But at this point, Matthew's point is, I believe Jesus is the Christ. 
I believe that he is the son of Abraham. I believe he is the son of David. I believe he is the Messiah. Christ just means anointed one. Everybody knows what he's talking about when he says that. I believe it and I've traced it back. I've traced it back and I believe it's true. And so he starts out his letter just by saying, look, let me show it to you one more time. Luke does the same thing, but he goes backwards. So he goes from Jesus all the way back actually to Adam and Eve. So he goes even further, but the other direction. This one starts with Abraham and works his way up to Jesus. So that's what we're going to do today. And some of it might make you nod off, and some of it will be like, I did not know that. Um, But it's fun, and it ties in really well with Isaiah and the prophecies from Isaiah that we've been studying. So this record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now Jesus was just a name. Jesus could also be said Joshua. So if you look in the Old Testament, Joshua, Jesus, fairly synonymous. Yeshua would be the Hebrew pronunciation. So it wasn't like Jesus was this incredible name of, you know, of all names that everybody uh, was going to say. Um, it was moderately common. But what is different is when you tack on that Jesus Christ, that is important. That is not Jesus' last name. For any little children who think maybe that was his last name, Jesus Christ, Christ simply means anointed one or chosen one. So when he said Jesus Christ, he's saying something huge. He's saying this is the one we've been waiting for. That 400 years of silence that we've been talking about right there, there's an explosion of life that happens when Jesus is born. A group of people following this child, wise men following a star, uh, bringing gifts. A whole group of people who worshipped idols are giving them up. Blind people are seeing Deaf people are hearing. Uh, People are giving up millions in riches to follow this Jesus Christ. Tax collectors going back and paying people seven times what they uh, stole from them. This is what's happening. Have you heard of this Jesus? And Matthew says, this is the Jesus who is the Messiah, the one who came. So this Christ is important. Matthew goes into this great detail to prove he is who he is. And he starts with this. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Abraham is always like the central figure, the promise, the covenant to Abraham that he would have a great nation. And so in Genesis chapter 18, the Lord, he actually meets with Abraham and Sarah. There's a group of three actually that are meeting with Abraham and Sarah outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you kind of remember the story. Right, uh, Abraham is talking to these men, one called the Lord. The Lord talks to him and says, uh, Sarah will have a child. And Sarah laughs. And they said, did you laugh? And she says, no, I didn't laugh. <laughs> it's funny how they write it in scripture, but that's exactly how it is. And uh, so the Lord says, as he's talking with him, he says, should I hide this from Abraham, what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So all the nations of the earth were to be blessed through Abraham. This is the promise. So the Jews, they've been watching the line of Abraham, watching to see if they'll follow the way of the Lord, and if all the nations on earth will indeed be blessed through them. 
Then in the New Testament, so if you jump all the way up to Acts, this is Acts chapter 3, verse 24. Peter is speaking to the people, and he says this. So Acts chapter 3, verse 24. I can hear some of you flipping, so I'll give you a little time if you want. He says this, Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many have spoken, have foretold these days. These days that are happening right now, these prophets have told about. And you, you are heirs to the prophets and of the covenant of God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham this, through your offspring, all the peoples will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each one of you from your wicked ways. What he says is this to the people. Now he's speaking to the Jews specifically at this time. He says, don't you remember what God said to Abraham? He said to Abraham, through your seed, all these people will be blessed. All the nations will be blessed. And God raised up his servant, Jesus. And he sent him first to you. And you killed him. He came to turn each of you from your wicked ways. He was the one that was bringing light to you. He was the one that was bringing peace to you. So then Matthew and Peter and the disciples and all those who would come later called Jesus the Messiah and in fact the son of Abraham, the son of promise. Verse 3, Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nishan, Nishan, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse. Pause there for a minute. What you start to hear in there that might not be surprising to us in 2022 is the names of women. The names of women was unique to hear in genealogies because who cares? They're not the kings, they're not the rulers, they're not the soldiers, they're not the great men of history, they're women. But uniquely, in this scripture, in Matthew, he gives honor to these women as being in the line of Jesus specifically. Could have left them out, doesn't. It's important that they're in here for a number of reasons. One, because women can be saved. Two, because women can be in the line of Jesus. Three, because Gentiles can be in the line of Jesus. People who used to worship idols can be in the line of Jesus. Not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. Also, you don't have to be super, 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 super holy. Because none of us are. So you have prostitutes. You have adulterers. Right? Liars. Thieves. Murderers. All in this list to say all these people can be redeemed. All these people can be in Christ. All these people, not only that, are used by God for his purposes. And their sin can be used sinlessly by God to meet Jesus Christ coming to earth, being born of a virgin, and living to die for us. In this genealogy, we see clearly the love that God has for all people, not just the Jews, not just the sinless, but everyone. And here's a big one right here. Jesse, the father of King David. King David, murderer of Uriah. King David, adulterer. 
King David, who wasn't allowed to build the temple for God because he had had so much blood on his hands, so many murders, so many wars. Remember when we, I had preached about uh, King Saul, uh, it said Saul has killed his thousands or ten thousands and David has killed tens of ten thousands. Basically, way more people David has conquered, David has killed. So he is in the line of Jesus as well. Now remember in verse 1, Jesus is called son of David. And in the New Testament, Jesus is called son of David about 17 times in the New Testament. This is because there's a promise that God made in 2 Samuel and in 1 Chronicles chapter 17. Solomon was to build a house for God and God would be his father. David's name would be great and his kingdom would last forever past the death of Solomon, and on into eternity. Remember in Isaiah 9, I had preached this, this was last week. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. And over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So this, why is Jesus called Son of David? Because it's right here. A child's born, a son is given, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and on David's throne he will reign forever. He is a son. He is a, in the lineage of David. He is in the lineage of the kings. Hebrews 1.8 also speaks of the fulfillment of this in Jesus Christ, which is actually a quote from Psalm 45. So if you're reading in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 8, you'll see a quotation. That quotation is taken from Psalms. So if you were to look in Hebrews, you'd be reading part of Psalms. But he says this in Hebrews 1, verse 8. About the Son, he says this. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and you have hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So you have the word anointing in there as well. Speaking of the Christ, uh, you have this uh, language of righteousness. You have the language of loving righteousness and hating wickedness. Again, Jesus is fulfilling all of these things in Isaiah, all of these things in Psalms, and they're recounting them in Hebrews and saying, Jesus is the better priest. Jesus is the better king. Jesus is the better David. Jesus is the better everything. Jesus is the best thing that there is, and he fulfills all these things. If we continue in Matthew... David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. All right, this should... Blink in your memory, hopefully, from last week. We talked about these three people. We've been talking about them for the last uh, two weeks, actually. Uzziah. Remember when I talked about um, Isaiah seeing God high and lifted up and having his vision? That was in the year that King Uzziah died. So, in the year that 
King Uzziah died, I saw God high and lifted up. So here he is. And he was the father of Jotham, who we don't hear much about. But he was the father of Ahaz, and we talked about him last week. Okay, so this is important. It's important because a lot of times um, when you're discussing faith and Christianity and things, you'll go through scripture and you'll see things are hard or confusing. They don't make sense. And part of the reason they don't make sense is because you've ripped them out of their context in the greater picture of history. So I talk about Uzziah here. Well, who is he? If you knew who he was, all this stuff would make more sense. And Isaiah, who's he? It talks about him here, but it makes no sense. Well, Old Testament tells you all about Isaiah. The more you learn about these people, the more you learn altogether. And these things that seem strange all start just fitting together. Oh, that's what it was. So some of our favorite quotes come from these people. And the one we talked about last week was from Ahaz. Now, he's not the one making the quote, although he should have been, but he disobeyed God. So, King Uzziah dies, Jotham's his son, Ahaz takes over for him. God says, Ahaz, I am going to bless you. If you want a sign for, to prove that I'm going to bless you, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you a sign in heaven, I'll give you a sign in hell, whatever you want, I'll give you a sign, whatever you want. And Ahaz says, I don't want a sign. <laughs> I don't want to test God. And uh, I think that was probably tongue-in-cheek or whatever it is, because he doesn't give an answer, and God says, okay, I'll give you a sign then. This is how it goes. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And this is Isaiah seven fourteen. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel. Here's your sign, Ahaz. So it's funny, right? In Isaiah, you hear about this. In Matthew, you hear about this. If you're a Jew and you're listening to this, you're going, oh my goodness. Uh, Ahaz is in here. Ahaz was told <clears throat> by God... Through the, through the prophet Isaiah, that there will be a virgin who gives birth to a son. This is who Matthew is talking about. This is the son, Jesus, who was born to Mary. Mary, who is the virgin, married to Joseph. And if you look through this genealogy, it leads back to David, leads back to Abraham. So all these things are connected and intertwined. <clears throat> There's Messiah sightings also all throughout this genealogy, all throughout this history. If you go through the Old Testament, there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy of this seed, this branch of Jesse, uh, this line of David, um, the son of Abraham, and so on, all throughout the Old Testament. So we'll continue in Matthew. Ahaz, who's the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetel. I don't know how you say that one. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, Abiud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Eliud, Eliud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. So here we are, there's a genealogy leading from Abraham all the way up to Jesus, who is called the Christ, or the Anointed One. Every single person in this list had a part to play in the birth of Christ. 
had a part to play in the line, had a part to play in the prophecy. And God himself is orchestrating all of these things. Prophecy does not work unless God is in control of every single atom in the universe. It doesn't work. Because somebody can thwart it. God brought about these things at the perfect time, at the perfect place, when the right time had come, Scripture says. It's interesting, everyone on this list had a part to play in the birth of Messiah, not only in the lineage of Joseph, but also in the lineage of Mary. In fact, Mary is the blood relationship to King David. Joseph is not blood related to Jesus, So he's not passing on the blood relation. He's adopting Jesus as his son, which is important, actually, distinction, because um, I'll show you in just a second, actually. Jeconiah. It's a name that we just read through. You probably don't know much about. I didn't know much about until I was studying this passage and going through each of the names. And there are just so many names and places and people and things to, like, put it all together as... Rough, so I'm trying to give you parts, which is also probably the reason why Matthew doesn't have every single person in this list because it would be crazy long. Now, you probably didn't notice yet, but if you did any study here, there's a lot of names that are not in this list. I mean, that list is long that leads to Jesus, but he's got them broken up into three memorable groups, right? 42 different people before you get to Jesus. But this guy, Jeconiah, is one of the things I was talking about where it looks like a contradiction unless you study it and understand it. So here's how it goes. Um, Jeconiah is cursed by God in this line. And he's told, actually, that you will have no son sitting on the throne of David. None of your descendants will be allowed to sit on his throne. And this is in Jeremiah 22, 30. It says this. This is what the Lord says. Record this man, Jeconiah, as if he was childless. A man who will not prosper in his lifetime. For none of his offspring, this is important here, will prosper. And none will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. Well, if Jesus is in that line, Jeconiah is in that thing, then why is he then allowed to be on the throne of David? Why is he called the son of David? Because he is not a blood relative of Jeconiah. And neither would be Mary then. So Jesus is the adopted son through the line of David, through Joseph, but he is not blood related in that way through Jeconiah. These are these little things where... Uh, uh, an atheist might like find this obscure passage like this and go, aha, it says right here that Jeconiah cannot have a son who sits on David's throne, and yet you call Jesus uh, son of David. And you would say, well, did you know this is for his offspring and his offspring's offspring, and uh, Jesus is not the offspring of Joseph. Jesus is the offspring of God and Mary. So God, who... Um, not in a physical sense, God and Mary. Not to get off subject there, but he's conceived through the Holy Spirit. So verse 17. Verse 17 continues and says this. Thus there were 14 generations 
in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exiles to Babylon, and 14 from the exiles to Christ. Like I said before, if you go through this, there's not just 14, 14, 14 easily if you look at every name and every number. It's just a simple way to remember the most prolific sometimes leaders, the most known people. So you could quickly show to somebody, let me show you this list. Because your Jewish friends should have known this list. They should have studied this list. They should have been familiar with this list. And as you traced it back for them, they should have seen, oh, I see how you got to Jesus here. So to those who would doubt Jesus' kingly heritage, Matthew gave them a thorough and orderly chain of ancestry to look through. Any good Jew would be able to see that it was so. Since this has been established in Matthew, then we can go into detail about the birth of Jesus, which we'll do next week. But he wants to secure Christ in this heritage before we look at the birth of Christ and his life as it continues. Because the rest does not matter. If Jesus is not in this line, if he is in fact not the Messiah, then his birth is inconsequential. So he starts here. He is the Messiah. Look at his heritage. And now, look what he does. He's fulfilling even more prophecy about this man and what he will do. He will be a stumbling block to the Jews. Let's look at Jesus' life. Was he? Yes, he was. He will make the blind man see. Does he? Yes. Will he save his people from their sins? That's his name. Yes. He does as well. What I want to leave you with today is kind of what I did last week as well, but just a fuller understanding that the whole Old Testament and all of Scripture is pointing you ahead to Christ. Christ is in every, every single chapter of Scripture. This is pointing you to the salvation of man. This is pointing you to the return of Christ. Christ, who is the Word in the beginning, that made all of creation. He's the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, and he is the word that will continue in all power, holding the stars in the sky, the breath in our lungs. He'll continue to do that now and forever. There are new, no loose ends with God. And it didn't stop there and not continue here. So today you are seated here by the providence of God, listening to the sermon by the providence of God. The sin that you've committed today is being used by God to work it out towards your sanctification and the glorifying of God as you repent and trust in him, or just the mere fact that God has forgiven you that sin. A sin you don't even know that you did. God has forgiven today. To give more glory to Christ's sacrifice. More glory to his death. More light shone on his love for sinners. Of his mercy. Surpassing love and greatness. And as we sometimes fear about what does tomorrow hold. Just like the people in the Old Testament does. Nothing has changed. God still holds every single generation in his hand. We should be amazed at his endless work through the minutest detail of history with all kinds of people, rich, poor, men, women, slave, free, using them all to his glory to tell his story 
One of the great things, too, about this line that I just want to end with is that if you look through your genealogy, some of you who have put your faith and trust in Christ are now the sons and daughters of God. Better than this Spates guy who went to Benin and found out he was a prince of a tiny country in Africa, we are princes and princesses of God the Father. We rule and we reign with him. We are his friends. I, I love in that story too of the guy who calls, he first calls Benin and talks to the king. And the king hangs up the phone because who in the world, first of all, speaks English to the king and second of all, has his cell phone number. <laughs> and he has no idea who it is. So then he calls the queen who is much more forgiving and talks to her. And she's the one who does the legwork and ends up working it out for him. But I love in scripture that as we are princes and princesses of the living God, we can go to him, we can speak freely to him. When we talk to him, he answers. He's not too high and mighty for us to speak to because we are his relatives. We are in his line. If you are not in the line of Jesus Christ, and if you have not put your faith and trust in him, you're not a prince or princess of anything. But if you have, that is what you are. That is your heritage. That is your genealogy. And you can trace it back to the time you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Or today maybe is the day you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that is a wonderful thing uh, to think about. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the years and years and years of men and women who struggled uh, who got through hardships and wars, who got through their worst sins, knowing that their faith in you would be the thing to save them, that you would uphold them by your strong right hand. And that promise is for us today, that if we would put our faith and trust in you to save us, that you will save us from our sins, that you will forgive us. God, we thank you that you have therefore made us sons and daughters of the living God, prince and princesses. We thank you that you've prepared a place for us and you go to prepare that place for us. God, that you will make a new heaven and a new earth better than anything we could imagine and that we'll be able to come in and out of the courts and in and out of relationship with you freely and that even now we can come to you freely praying to you, speaking your word back to you, singing your word back to you, and fellowshipping with our Father the King. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your hymn books to number 96. Hear about all those names and uh, know that Jesus is the Christ. Wonderful name he bears. Call him Emmanuel, God with us, wonderful name he bears. Let's stand and sing together, number 96. <clears throat> wonderful birth to a manger he came. 
made in the likeness of man to proclaim God's boundless love for a world sick with sin, pleading with sinners to let him come in. Wonderful name he bears, wonderful crown he wears, wonderful blessings his triumphs afford. Wonderful Calvary, wonderful grace for me, wonderful love of my wonderful Lord. Wonderful life, full of service so free, friend to the poor and the needy was he. Unfailing goodness on all he bestowed, undying faith in the vilest he showed. Wonderful name he bears, wonderful crown he wears, wonderful blessings his triumphs afford, wonderful Calvary. Wonderful grace for me, wonderful love of my wonderful Lord. Wonderful death, for it meant not defeat. Calvary me made his great mission complete, brought our redemption, and when he arose, Banished forever the last of our foes. Wonderful name he bears, wonderful crown he wears. Wonderful blessings his triumphs afford. Wonderful Calvary, wonderful grace for me. Wonderful love of my wonderful Lord. Wonderful hope he is coming again. Coming as king o'er the nations to reign. Glorious promise his word cannot fail. His righteous kingdom at last must prevail. Wonderful name he bears, wonderful crown he wears, wonderful blessings his triumphs afford, wonderful Calvary, wonderful grace for me, wonderful love of my wonderful Lord. Gracious Father, we're so thankful for your word, for recognizing that all that you write is important, that we need to know these things so that we can understand exactly what you did and how you did it. We're grateful for this time to spend in your word. We're grateful that you teach us. Lord, you are the wonderful Lord the one and only, the true God. We pray that all here know you. And if they don't, that you would seek them out. 
and draw them to you. We're thankful for this time as your sons and daughters, princes and princesses, that we can come to you and enjoy this time. In Christ's name, amen. You're dismissed.